think I've shared this. Oh, well, I know I've shared it before, but I just feel led of the Spirit right now to share it with the saints of God. Um, Matthew chapter 6. Starting at verse 25. Hallelujah. 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 You know, the word of God says, cast your care on him because he cares about you. Cast your care on him because he cares about you. Cast your care on him because he cares about you. And this particular passage deals with the, um, as it's titled in the, I think it's the modern English translation. They have so many modern English version. Um, and then I want to share also t with you from the, the passion translation as well. But it talks about care and anxiety. And um, God's view and perspective on things. I shared with you, was it Monday night? QLM about um, God coming suddenly to his temple. And he comes, and he comes as a purifier to purify us like gold or like silver, if you will, that he may establish or bring about righteousness. And, and simply it's just bringing forth the nature and the character and the presence of God in our lives. That's what the Lord wants not only does he want us doing his will, not only does he want us gathering together as often as we do to fellowship with those of like precious faith and all, preaching the gospel to others, if you will, witnessing and things like that, wanting us to be good stewards at our jobs and anything that he has entrusted to our care, expecting us to have like an excellent spirit over doing those things, such as Daniel and the other three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. But he expects us to, you know, um, to do good deeds and do good works that our Father may be glorified in heaven. Um, but he's also developing his nature and character within us. And it's a continual thing, as I share it with you. I said that, um, quoting Smith Wigglesworth, that if you're in the same place that you were like yesterday, you're backslidden because we should constantly be progressing more and more and more as the days go by, as the weeks go by, as the months go by, as the years go by, continually progressing till Jesus is, as Paul prayed for the church at Galatia, fully formed within us. Jesus is not deformed at all, but it's the character, it's the nature, it's the spirit of Christ that is being developed in us, and it takes the posture and position of John the Baptist who said, he must increase, I must decrease. And so we continue on a daily basis surrendering our lives and surrendering our will to his will being done. 
And in doing so, the character and nature of Christ continues to get stronger within us. The more time we're able to spend in his presence, and mind you, it is definitely a benefit to be able to just devote certain times of the day, if you will, or being consistent with being able to spend a certain amount of time in the presence of the Lord on a daily basis. But I like what Kenneth Hagin said, and I've shared it before, when they asked him how long or how often does he pray, and he said, well, you know, I, I, I really haven't just thought about that because he spends his whole day, you know, I'll just say it like this, consumed in God's presence. He spends his whole day with his mind stayed on the Lord, if you will. It's like he, he never saw himself out of God's presence, but always in. And so to try and put a measurement on that, it's like he just, he just couldn't tell you. He was constantly in and out of praying in the Holy Ghost, especially when it was time for ministry or prior to ministry and all. But constantly praying in the Holy Ghost, just standing in the presence of God, whatever he was doing. I say that to say that for those who feel like they don't have that specific, and we all do, it's just a matter of whether we're going to stick to it or stay with it or actually engage in it um, altogether. But we all have some time that we can give over to him. Um, and, and it's not a task in the sense of a, a, a chore. It, it's something that we should desire. It should be a desire of every believer to let the nature and the character and the likeness of Christ come forth out of us. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need us. The world needs Jesus. And the only way they're going to meet Jesus is through those who have surrendered to his lordship and allowed him to govern their lives and that he can, you know, minister through them. Anybody and everybody could preach a message of the gospel. I'm not belittling the message itself. But, you know, a wicked person can preach the gospel. A wicked person can tell somebody how to get saved. And if that person does, if what that wicked person says is true according to the word, and that person believes in the message that has come forth, even though it came forth from a wicked vessel itself, but they believe in the message, they will be saved. They will be saved because they would put faith in the message of Jesus Christ and not in that wicked person that's given it to them. That wicked person will still perish in their sin. But the thing of it is, is that the word of God is still true. So I'm saying that to say anybody can preach a message. Anybody can preach a sermon, if you will. But our lives themselves are to be a sermon. Our lives themselves are to be the, the, the word made flesh our lives themselves ought to be the as as paul says uh living epistles of the word of god the debar of god that makes sense and so we understand that dad is like he's not just in the works and all but he's in the character and nature of us as well and it's when we do find that time when we do spend that time we end up becoming more like him that's where, I'll just say it like this, that catalyst of transformation, it just really uh, um, takes off. It's, it's not a chore. It should be a delight for every believer. Um, because the more we see of ourselves, the more we, not that we don't love ourselves, but the more we can see faults and failures and shortcomings and things of that nature, and those things kind of take the forefront 
when if we're looking unto Jesus or just spending that time in his presence, we're, we're looking unto him and it's his character, his nature, and stuff may try and creep up, but the presence of God gets stronger and stronger. The more we, some say, practice the presence, but the more we engage in the presence of God. And so we may be going to work, but we don't have to ignore God. I mean, we can be clothed in ourselves, if you will, talking to him, if you will, be at your desk working and your mind is stayed on him and you're talking. And he'll still allow you to focus and do your work, if you will. But more of him becomes manifest. And that's really what the Lord wants out of all of us because the Bible tells us that we are being conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. That's what Paul, what Paul said to the church at Rome, being conformed to his image, if you will. We're transformed and renewed. You know, our minds are renewed by the word of God, and we undergo that transformation, but also being conformed to Jesus, not conformed to the world, but conformed to the life of Jesus Christ. He is the example, and we are his followers, and it doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are. We're not too old to uh, do this, and we're not too young to begin it, if you will. It's like you take off running for the glory of God. Nothing bothers you. Things happen, but you keep on going because you know that the greater one is on the inside of you. So with that, I'll, I'll just begin. Matthew 6, verse 25, Passion Translation. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. Amen. Selah moment. Never be worried about your life. Go ahead and say, <laughs> it's going to be okay with me. Hallelujah. So we don't need to worry about anything that happens, whether it's news that comes towards us, whether it's a situation that has surprisingly come upon us and that's what when it says the Lord shall suddenly come to his temple, it means he's coming at a time of unexpectation. In other words, he's not expected to come, but suddenly he appears and it's like, will the people be ready, which is what the prophet was saying. And so you may get some sudden news that may appear and it's like, how are you going to respond, if you will? Something beyond your ability to control, it just confronts you. But you still have to have that mindset of never be worried about your life. You don't have no food, never be worried about your life. You don't have no money in your pocket, never be worried about your life. If you don't have a job to go to, never be worried about your life. If Somebody just came and did something to you, never be worried about your life. PG&E gets cut off, never be worried about your life. Why? You're going to live beyond those things. All of those things are temporary. Even the things that people do to you, they're temporary. Everything that God does for you is eternal. So never be worried about your life. You get some bad news about a sickness or disease in your body. Never be worried about your life. The news may sting you, but you keep on pressing through. Never 
be worried about your life because your life is in the hands of God. All of this, it, it, it hinges on, swings on, if you will, your trust in God. Is he who he says he is? Is he real? Is he there? Or is all of this just, you know, uh, fairy tale stuff written by men that have gotten us to believe in a false God, if you will, and we're spending all of our time doing all of these things and we really don't expect what he says to be true or to come to pass. No, he's God and nothing is impossible with him as it pertains to you. And can we trust him in the midst of tests, trials, storms, and adversity, can we trust him? It's easy to trust him when there's money in the bank. It's easy to trust him when you got the car and you got the job and you got the house, the roof over your head, food in the cabinet and everything else. It's easy to trust him when everything is okay, but then when things are not okay, do you trust him? And then it's in that time that the true character of who you are as an individual will manifest. Because it's easy to praise God when you're on the mountaintop and all is going well. But when you're down in the valley because of so many things happening and going on in your life, can you still offer up a praise? Or was it just depending on the circumstance? Everything going well, I'll praise you. Things ain't going well, well, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, no, it's in the valley where you should give your highest praise because you trust in him. And so you give no thought, as one translation says, concerning your life. In other words, I'm okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to be fine. Why? Because I trust God. I take him at his word. I love this because it's just so real. When we think about the stories, they're not just stories, if you will, they're true situations. But when we go back to Daniel and we see those three Hebrew boys and they're about to be thrown in the fire because they won't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's God that he has made. And they're like, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. In other words, our obligation to him is greater than this threat of temporary punishment, if you will. Because they knew and understood that even if they were thrown in the fire and the fourth man that looked like the Son of God didn't show up, they would still be okay because they'd just go right on into his presence as with their forefathers, if you will. And so Jesus tells us this, and it's oftentimes heard oftentimes agreed with, but then when the rubber meets the road, that's where we fail or we fall or we falter or we stumble. And Jesus says, never be worried about your life. Listen to this. For all that you need, again, this is the Passions Translation. I found some things in the Passions Translation that doesn't line up with the, the, the King James or what other translations, if you will. So it it's still got some good stuff in here. Um, it's, it's just when you see some things, it's like, eh, that's not right. 
um, not an expert, but definitely one that um, seeks truth and holds fast to the truth. And King Jim just has to be that standard bearer, if you will. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? Jesus was so sharp, he, he takes some of the simple things in life to illustrate a point. And he's like, you see the birds, they neither sow nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father provides for them. Now, we might think, well, you know, human thinking, natural thinking, secular thinking, ungodly thinking, that the bird just has sense to go and find a worm somewhere in the grass. But it's like, who gave that bird the intelligence and the radar to know where to go to? I mean, do they have schools of birds? Do they, do they have a college of birds? Do they have first grade, second grade, third grade, you know, a, a, a birds, bird school, if you will? Do they get a, a um, what do you call it, a, a diploma at the end of their 12th grade or something, and then they go on to college and they learn higher, so they can fly even higher and do even different types of patterns and things like that? Who teaches them how to do those aerodynamic patterns, if you will, of all the birds just flying. I praise God. They, they can just fly all in order and not run into each other. Who teaches them? What, what school, school of, would it be called aeronautics or something like that? I don't know what the, the exact name would be, but who teaches them how to do that? Do they learn that in engineering and stuff like that? What, how do they, they, they just do it? They see others and they just fly, if you will. But Jesus is like, you know, with all of our intelligence, if you will, we have to push that to the side and just trust him because it is God who provides that worm for that bird. It is God who orders that bird to be able to fly and navigate and do certain things that he does. God is watching over him. If God can provide for a little sparrow, if God can provide for a little bird, they don't worry about their existence so which of you, by worrying or by having anxiety, as this is, care and anxiety, could add anything to your life? We've heard this time and time and time again. And here it is before us again tonight as we're just ministering to you for these next few minutes. I got about 16 minutes and then we'll be done for tonight. And why would you worry about clothing? It's like, of all things, what am I going to wear? Of all things, what am I going to eat? Of all things, you know, where am I going to rest, if you will? And he's like, so then forsake your worries. So above all, constantly, here's the focus. Here's the point of it all. So above all, somebody please tell me what above all means. Anybody, everybody, somebody. Just nobody be silent. You can remove your mask if you want. <laughs> Speak a little louder. I can hear you. Priority. Okay, everybody agree with that? Anybody have anything different or to add to it? Anybody not want to talk? I'm giving you the opportunity. 
Okay. So above all, number one, priority, if you will. The most important thing, the main thing, if you will. Truly, it's the only thing because everything else comes out of this. So above all, constantly chase after. Everybody say chase. Chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from it. Now, remember what the prophet was saying. Malachi, let me just put my finger uh, here and go back to what he said when he comes to his temple. Oh, that's the wrong prophet. He's just one book back from Matthew. I'll read it to you again. I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. He is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming? In other words, anticipating, 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 but do we really understand what is coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. In other words, at his first coming, it was anticipation of the Messiah. He's going to restore the kingdom. We're going to be in power once again. Rome is going to be at our feet. We're going to be reigning with the Messiah. He's going to establish his rule and his reign, and peace is going to come to Israel. We'll be in prominence, and we'll be number one in this earth once again. And so they're anticipating this, and they're looking forward to him coming in kingly glory, if you will. And here he comes to them on a mule. Here he comes to them as a babe in a manger. Here he comes to them as a 12-year-old in the temple questioning the religious leaders and then answering certain things that were far beyond his years to the point that they're suddenly amazed and astounded at a 12-year-old with such knowledge and wisdom at such an early age. And they're like, who is this? He continues to grow in the wisdom and the stature and the spirit of the living God. And by the time he hits 30, he is ready to launch his earthly ministry. And for three and a half years, he teaches the people, he heals the people, he preaches to the people, and he uh, uh, fulfills the hope of God's calling by giving up his life as a ransom for everybody to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. They didn't understand him. They were looking for something different. But as the scripture says, suddenly he will appear, and then he's coming to establish righteousness godliness, holiness. They will present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old as and as in former years. In other words, he's coming to restore things back to the way that they're supposed to be. I like this last verse. It's not the last verse of the chapter, but 
verse 5, it says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against the perjurers, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who turn aside the stranger and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, his coming was to establish divine order and to establish righteousness within the people. Our righteousness is filthy rags, but God sends forth his righteousness in order to be established in our lives. And listen, it didn't stop with his first coming. It's going all the way up until he appears again and raptures us in the, in the clouds in the air, if you will. But this is, the, this is what the Lord is doing in our lives. It began with them during his earthly ministry and then afterwards especially when he released the Holy Ghost who would be with us and will be in us. And so that work continues to this very day. Pentecost is not just about getting baptized with the Holy Ghost and praying or speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, but it is about establishing the very presence and nature of God within, within each and every one of his sons and daughters. Hallelujah, blessed be his glorious name. It's the work that God is doing. It's the work. It's the transformation work. Not very many people want to go through it. Not very many people will uh, succumb to it or give over to it. But nevertheless, that's what the Lord is doing. And the Lord's work is marvelous in our eyes. And so he says, and going back to Matthew, so above all, constantly chase after. Now, this is not just for the group that he was speaking to back then and there. In the King James translation, he says, Seek ye therefore the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And here it says, Chase after the realm of God's kingdom. God's kingdom or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the place or the, 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 the um, I'll just say, the person whose life God rules in. God rules in his kingdom. He rules in the kingdom of God. He rules in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is a real place, if you will. It's where God's throne is, if you will. But everywhere that God expands his kingdom is the kingdom of God. When Jesus came to the earth, the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is at hand. The place where God rules and reigns. And so here we are, and Jesus says, the kingdom shall be in you. Here we are. This is the body that God rules and reigns in. This is the body that God has control over. This is the body that God is Lord over, if you will, master over, if you will. He owns this property. Now, I'm using me just as the example, but the same goes for each and every one of us as well. And so in that, he says, chase after the realm, go after. It's not just being in the kingdom. It is now going after the kingdom. What does that mean? That means everything that the kingdom is bringing to us or giving to us that we're supposed to go after, engage, and embrace it. Because not only is it going to help us to fulfill God's will through the works that we do, but also it develops the character and nature of God. We don't want to wait till we get to glory to all of a sudden be perfected, which we will be perfected. 
But we don't want to wait till we get to glory in order for the nature and character of God to manifest itself. Not when God's word is constantly teaching us that we're supposed to be developing this right now. Amen. Let the church say amen. Turn with me to, um, what is it, 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter one. Because in the midst of confusion, chaos, and disorder, God has established order. And that order is established in our lives. What is the benefit of chasing after God's realm, God's kingdom, if you will? And the righteousness that proceeds from him. What is the benefit of that? It establishes the very nature and presence of God in us. And, and I can't say that enough. And even by repeating it, I pray that it has more meaning or depth to it. Not just by the repeating, but that it inspires interest to go after because we want to be more like God. We want to be changed in his presence. We don't want to be the same. We don't have to want to fight the same weaknesses every day, same battles every day. There ought to be different battles because, you know, we go from one battle to another battle and we emerge victorious in all of them. But the same person, it's like that, that, that individual hasn't grown since they've been saved and they've been saved 10 years. That does not add up. Every week, every day, every year, something should be changing, constantly evolving into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Gold purified in the fire so that when the dross is moved away, you see clearly the face of Jesus within our lives. So in first, or Second Peter chapter 1, we know this passage. It says, uh, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours, through the righteousness, there's that word righteousness again. Righteousness is right standing with God, but the attributes of righteousness established within us. The holiness and the purity of God established within us. The righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ is not making Christianity hard for people who might think that. You're just making it too hard for us to live and walk by and nobody can measure up. It's like... Don't even accept that mindset. We all measure up in Christ. We can all be changed. We can all be transformed. And the more we do, the more people see God and not us. It's not like we want to draw attention to ourselves. We want to draw attention to Jesus for the people's sake. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Many times you hear me praying that. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and he's also blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why do I say that? Why do I pray that? Because that's the word of God, and that's the will of God being established in our lives, if you will. It's, it's, it's simple, but it doesn't always come easy. It's something that we have to work at. It's working out what dad is working in us. And so he says this. 
he says, um, that pertain to life and godliness in verse 3, through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises, so that through these things you might become partakers of the divine nature. And so we look at it from the perspective of through the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we inherit these promises that make us partakers of his divine nature, which is constantly being developed within each and every one of us. No day should just be the same. By that, I mean this. As far as our approach, as far as our understanding, as far as our relationship with the Lord, that should be ever-changing, and we should be seeing clearly, clearer and clearer from God's perspective on society and everything that goes on around us. And our lives being changed and transformed, renewed, are reflecting the image and glory of Jesus Christ. And so what causes other people to panic doesn't cause us to panic. What causes other people to get in an uproar, and we're still operating at sound, perfect peace. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm not of this world. Nothing. I belong to another planet. Heaven. Glory be to God. It's not a planet. It, it contains or holds the entire universe, if you will. But I'm just saying, we're not from this world any longer. We were born here through our mother's womb, but we are born from above now through the church of the living God, the message of Jesus Christ that has given birth to us as sons of God now. We once were sons and daughters of our parents. We once were sons of the devil. But now we're sons of God, daughters of God, if you will. And there's a, deep, there's a big distinction and a big difference. So um, I'm almost done. Give me just one more minute. We'll be praying. His divine power has given to us all things. His divine power has given to us all things. His divine power. Do we believe in the power of God? His divine power has given to us. That means it's in our possession now. All things that pertain to life, the life that we're living, the life that we're living as individuals, and godliness. Godliness is being like God. We're not God, but we exemplify his character, his nature, his attributes. And the closer we draw to him, the more we spend time with him, the further that is developed to where now what we used to do, we don't do. Like Paul says, when I was a child, I did things as a child. I behaved as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, if you will. It's like that in the spirit. We may come in carnal, but after a while, we put that carnal life or that carnality away and start walking and moving and living and breathing by the spirit of the living God who's on the inside of us. And that reflects the power and glory of heaven that same divine power that he talks about that has given to us all things that pertain to life and god likeness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory his own glory and excellence by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises so that by these things you might become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so the divine nature is supposed to be manifesting and the corrupt nature is supposed to be decreasing and disappearing. Amen. And that should be the ambition of every child of God that gets born again. 
because it's more than just attending church. It's more than just the praying and the reading of the word. Those things are good and excellent and are necessary for growth. But it goes beyond that to the living reality of who we are in Christ Jesus now. And then developing that divine nature on the inside of us. That God-like nature. The God-like power. The God-like authority. The God-like dominion, if you will. The godly characteristics, traits. The manifestations of the sons of God in this earth that causes the darkness to tremble and fear and flee when we come on the scene. In Jesus' mighty name, stand to your feet. Father, as we share in your word, speak your word, preach your word, teach your word, May your word have free course in our lives to do the transformation, do the, the, the change from the inside out, establishing your righteousness, your truth, everything that you promised to us that it is made manifest. As I read your word, Father, as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. That's the divine nature of God by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Father, that none of our desires are of the corrupt old nature, but our desires are pure and pleasing in your eyesight that as we read at the outset, we're not bothered or worried about anything concerning our lives because our lives are in your hand. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of what's going on in the world, that in our lives there is perfect peace established and we can see clearly and we can hear clearly your voice, Father, as you speak to us as sons and daughters as to how we're to react, react respond, and do. I pray for the power of the blessing to continue to remain upon your people. But as we continue to grow, that, Father God, more and more of your will be accomplished and achieved in and through us. When we lay hands on the sick, that the sick recover because of the divine nature on the inside of us. When we cast out a devil, the devil goes in the name of Jesus because of the divine power that is within us. Father, that we suffer no lack and have no wants because you are providing our every need by the divine power that is within us. As Jesus was able to bless the fish and the loaves of bread and it multiplied and fed thousands, that same divine divine nature is imminent, it's operative, it's effective in and through us in your mighty name, that everything that was meant for evil is turned around for glory and honor because of the divine nature on the inside of us, that every promise that you have made unto us, which is yes and amen, is fulfilled in our lives, that there is nothing missing, nothing broken, and nothing lacking in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Master. I cover your sons and daughters in the precious blood of Jesus. I pray that you will be with them as a wall of fire and a hedge of protection and a glory in their midst. I pray that you'll order their steps and direct their path and guide them with your eye. Lead them into what is your good and acceptable and perfect will that you withhold no good thing from them because they are yours and you are theirs, Father God, that they see the glory of God all the days of their life, that as you have, Father God, called us 
uh, with a holy calling that, Lord, we walk in it, we live in it, we bask in it, we cherish it, Lord God, and we glorify you with our lives in Jesus' mighty name. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God most high. He's the hope that holds you and the stronghold to shelter you, the only God for you and your great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing, whether by night or by day. Demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place we will always be shielded from harm how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here is what the Lord has spoken concerning you because you have delighted in me as my great lover I will greatly protect you I will set you in a high place safe and secure before my face I will answer your cry for every time you pray and you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast you will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation in Jesus' mighty name. You be blessed. May the Lord watch over you, get you safely to your destinations, causing you to enjoy the goodness and the presence of the Lord wherever you go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. We love you dearly. And if you need prayer, see us at the altar. Praise be unto God. Thank you for tuning in, live stream, Facebook, and also YouTube. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We pray that the word has been a blessing to you. And uh, if you have any praise reports or testimonies, get those in. Uh, we just thank you for tuning in to us. We'll see you Sunday, uh, if not sooner. But we look forward to that great first day of the week. So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.